Amen. Amen. What a promise that the Lord would provide for us. And naturally, uh, there's got to be the seeking on our part, the desiring of it. And uh, like that woman said, give me that, that, uh, that water. I don't, I don't want to have to come to this well every day. She was thinking on the natural level. But the Lord is speaking in the spiritual level. And thank the Lord we're able to receive what he has for us. And that's going to be eternity. Revelation twenty two seventeen. take of the water of life freely. Yes. Praise God. What a promise. Thank the Lord that we're able to receive it now. And then remember, likewise, it's going to be available for all eternity. Praise God. All right, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we're going to take a look at here tonight. The Lord bless you for being in the house of the Lord. We're going to read just verse 1, just one verse, and then <clears throat> look, at, uh, look at this theme that I want to emphasize here tonight uh, because of what the Lord would uh, direct us to and uh, for us to be lifted up in his, his presence. Romans 12 and 1, let's read together this verse. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And those last two words, reasonable service. Praise God. Is God always reasonable? I'm, I'm sure we think no, because <laughs> in our human, our human capacity, we're not able to comprehend what God has um, available for us, uh, this living water concept, for example. How? Why? What? And, uh, but until you experience it, until you've had it yourself in the Spirit of God flowing through you and in you, you don't understand what the Scripture is talking about. And likewise, so many other areas that the Lord would uh, go beyond our human reasoning. But here the Scripture is saying it's reasonable for you to serve the Lord based on the mercies that God has extended to you to be holy, to be acceptable, to be a living sacrifice. That's reasonable. Praise God. You can be seated, and the Lord bless you. I want to talk about serving God and being um, a servant. Uh, a servant is not an exalted position. It's not uh, something that uh, we would aspire to be. Uh, I'd be satisfied to be a servant. Well, depends on who you're serving. <laughs> we want to serve the Lord. Um, I think that's uh, uh, what the, the Scripture is admonishing us to do. But a servant is basically one that serves another. That's, that's a simple definition. One that serves another. And we, we serve one another. And um, I think that's good in the kingdom of God. And I think it's good for us to assess where we are in our relationship with the Lord. Are we serving God, or are we expecting God to serve us? Sometimes I think it's the latter that we emphasize more than the former. God, I want you to meet my needs. God, I want you to heal my body. God, I want you to uh, touch me and... and um, uh, give me joy and, and, and uh, happiness and comfort and peace and security and, and so on. And thank God he's able to and he does in abundance. Praise God. But the fact is we need to be a servant and offer reasonable service to the Lord as well. And that's important. <clears throat> I think it's amazing that the Lord would um, have an audience with the, with the devil. Now, they're, they're not equal. Don't, don't get the idea that the opposite of God is Satan. There's no opposite of God. There's nothing 
that would be able to match or to meet or equal him. Amen. But the devil came before the Lord one time in the book of Job, and um, the Lord inquired, where have you been? Going to and fro throughout the earth. And the Lord's next question is amazing. Have you considered my servant Job? And um, that's, that's quite a distinction <clears throat> for the Lord to single out Job from all of the uh, uh, population of humanity at that point. Um, and I, I, I think, I truly think, the Lord could uh, look right here in this group and uh, challenge Satan. Have you considered my servant? And fill in the blank here uh, with, with folks that are right here today, tonight. Praise God. And uh, I wouldn't welcome the treatment that Satan would bring, but I think the Lord would take us through it, just like he did Job. Amen. And it happens again. Even after all of the loss that Job experienced in that first encounter, now Satan comes again. The Lord asks him again, Have you considered my servant Job. I think that uh, that does several things. Number one, of course, being the Lord knows who his servants are. The Lord knows who has identified closely with him. The Lord knows who is going to worship uh, in spite of loss, in spite of uh, downturns, if we can uh, say it that way, in spite, of, in spite of reversals that may have come our way. Um, I think the Lord is able to identify those that he's able to hold up and say, here's an example of a servant. Here's where we need to be. And um, I pray that the Lord would look at my life and look at your life uh, with that same kind of trust, that same kind of uh, awareness of where we are in our reasonable service to the Lord. And uh, remember... Uh, Job had the commitment, though he slay me. And the Lord wasn't trying to slay him. The Lord wasn't. He was feeling that. He was feeling like he was uh, really, really being tested. And he was. Certainly he was. Uh, uh, just an extreme difficulty. But Job's assurance was, yet will I trust him. Amen. And uh, God help us likewise to have that kind of commitment because when you come through the trial, you come through the test, the Lord has a way of bringing his blessing and his strength upon you and in you and through you beyond anything that you'd ever imagined. Amen. And uh, Job had twice as much. He had double of uh, what he had before in the blessings of God. And so that's how things will turn out. Now, we talk about the three young Hebrews uh, in the book of Daniel. <clears throat> young men displaced from their home, from their families, from everything that was familiar to them, and placed in a heathen society that worshipped idols, that uh, just lived uh, uh, hedonistic lives. And uh, far, far away from the temple of God and uh, all that would accompany their lifestyle of worship to Jehovah God. This, they're, they're removed from it entirely, and uh, they're in a, a whole different atmosphere, a whole different society. And now the king has decreed, bow down to this image. And he put the image in, in uh, uh, well, the image was huge. You could see it from throughout the city. And there was a, a signal, there, there was a symphony that was played, uh, if you will, uh, that was the signal to bow down to that huge image. Now, it wasn't uh, so much that they disagreed with, uh, uh, with the symphony, they couldn't harmonize with it. It wasn't so much it was um, that you know, they, the three of them were, were not going to bow down. It was a question of who you're going to serve. 
And they wanted it to be very clear. We are servants of the Most High God. And we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image. That was, that was just a plain, straightforward statement that, uh, as to who they were serving. And that they were not going to compromise that. You can give us another chance if you want to, and the outcome's still going to be the same. You can threaten us with the fiery furnace, and our God's able to deliver us. But we're still not going to bow down. We're still not going to serve. And um, that's, that's, uh, that's the final word. Well, the king was aggravated. The king was very upset. He was not used to anybody thwarting his word, going against his commandments. And so uh, he commanded the furnace to be heated and heated some more. Now, I don't know how they measured seven times hotter, but that's what the scripture says, seven times hotter. And the most mighty men of the army bundled them up, bound them up, and tried to burn them up. But we know the outcome. The heat of the flaming furnace actually killed some of the mighty men. That's how hot it was. The, the air was superheated and probably destroyed their lungs and air passages, and, and uh, they, they fell dead. There were some changes. As you can imagine, fire changes things irreparably. But it didn't change but one thing with these men who were bound up in their coats and their hats. <laughs> that always tickles me to think that they're getting thrown into a furnace that's heated seven times hotter and they made sure they were dressed warm. What was the one thing that changed? Their bonds. What they were tied up with was the only thing that uh, was burned up. Sometimes, you know, we, we've got to understand going through something, going through a test, going through a trial, going through a, a, a difficulty, uh, the Lord is not playing games with you. The Lord is not dangling you over the fire to see how long you can survive and, and so on. The Lord wants to show you what he can bring out of that situation, what the outcome is going to be. And it will result in you being freer than you were before. Having more liberty, having more power, having more blessing. Praise God. That's what we've got to hold on for. And ah, it's hard sometimes. It's extremely difficult. But look for what God wants to bring about. Look for what God is trying to show you. Praise God. And as a result of their faithfulness, their result of their commitment, their reasonable service, look what happened. The king looked in that furnace, asked the question, didn't we throw three in there? I see a fourth. Praise God. Don't you know he was, uh, he, he was astonished. He, he, he was amazed. Uh, he, he became uh, I, I think, uh, extremely uh, connected to what was going on there. Yes. Amen. And uh, he called out Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are their Babylonian names, not their Hebrew names. You servants of the Most High God. That's what he, that's what he called them. He didn't have to have their resume. He didn't have to have their proclamation. Nothing. You servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. <laughs> and they came walking out because their bonds were burned up. What they'd been tied up with changed by the fire. And that was the only thing that changed. The king changed his decree. No longer now you've got to worship this golden image. Here's what he said. Every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. 
He'd never seen anything like it before. Amen. Now, the harsh punishment is what he was used to doling out. That's what he was used to pronouncing sentence. And that's why it's so, it's so harsh and it's so plain. But I like the way he said there's no other God that can deliver after this sort. Praise God. Don't you know there was recognition of those three young men as they walked the streets of Babylon? As they served in the, in the courts in the government? And uh, people commenting, man, it's sure hot today. Hot? This is nothing. You should be in a furnace heated seven times hotter. <laughs> or the other way. Sure cold today. Oh, yeah. That furnace would feel pretty good. <laughs> I'm sure they used every opportunity they could to bring it up. And the fact that the king made that decree. God help us to stay faithful in the trial. God help us to stay faithful in the test. Amen. Because look and see what God is going to bring out of it. How the Lord is going to provide. How he's going to minister. Oh, what a testimony. Amen. And Daniel, of course, being thrown into the lion's den. Uh, the petitions and prayers that weren't uh, supposed to be made of anything or anybody except the king. And Daniel knew the decree was made, but he knelt and prayed three times a day, just like he had done all the time. But <laughs> I'll never, uh, never get tired of, of uh, understanding that God would bring him through and uh, he would have his trust in the Lord because uh, there were men who were jealous of him, men who were envious of him, because Daniel served as the first president. You talk about favor of the Lord upon the people of God. Daniel is the first president. He's right up there next to the king. And uh, the others were envious of him. He didn't party. He didn't uh, eat the meat offered to idols. He didn't go along with all the other things that were going on in the kingdom of those who served uh, in the government of Babylon. And uh, they were upset at him. They wanted to get rid of him. And this is what they said. We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. They, they recognized he's God's servant. And we've got to find something wrong in that area. Well, and they knew they could do it about prayer. Now, the decree uh, of the law of the Medes and the Persians was uh, signed by the king. And that's final. That's it. Can't be changed. But Daniel prayed anyway and gave thanks and served the Lord. Into the lion's den he went, but deliverance. And uh, the king assured him of that deliverance. Oh, Daniel, he said, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Now, that didn't come from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That didn't come from any of the others who accompanied Daniel and his contemporaries and trying to bolster him. I'll be praying for you. God's going to deliver you. There, there, there's going to be something that will happen. I don't know what, but God's going to bring you through. That, that encouragement didn't come from anybody but the king. That, you know, be aware. People are watching. People uh, are uh, observing you. And uh, so, keep your head up. Praise God. I know it's hard. I know it's way easier to say than to do. But with the help of the Lord, you can give reasonable service to God. So, the stone was rolled over the lion's den. The seal was applied. And the king had a sleepless night. Insomnia. <laughs> He was worried about Daniel. And early in the morning, he went and caused the stone to be rolled aside. And uh, he cries out, Daniel, servant of the living God. Here he is again identifying Daniel as a servant. Has your God, it's not a statement now, it's a question. Has your God 
you whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions. Amen. And of course, the voice of Daniel coming back up out of the lion's den, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the mouths of these lions. Praise God. And they got Daniel up out of that den, and God's deliverance was there upon him. No injury found on him because he believed in his God. And, of course, the king being changed and the poor accusers uh, being thrown into the lion's den. Uh, it's just, uh, we can go through several of the uh, examples in the scripture um, and we'll, we'll do just a few more here. Elijah. Elijah's prayer in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. He's on the mountain. He's repaired the altar. He's told the prophets of Baal, uh, this idol that the people of Israel had gone uh, into a backslidden condition to worship an idol that was deaf, dumb, useless, <clears throat> couldn't answer. And in fact, that was the challenge. Let the God who answers by fire be God. And uh, he let them carry on all morning long. Uh, he mocked them uh, a bit. Maybe your God's visiting. Maybe he's sleeping. Uh, you read the Living Bible version of it, and it's kind of funny. Uh, but it, it's uh, interesting that he finally had to step forward and say, okay, it's my turn. Um, sit down and shut up. <laughs> Cover up your wounds. Stop your bleeding. Because you talk about sincerity. Sincerely cutting themselves. The knives that they used to butcher the, the bullock and put on their, their altar, they started cutting themselves. Sincerity is not the final test. Because you can be sincerely wrong. And that's, that's the problem. So, Elijah stepped forward, put the wood on his altar after he repaired it, cut the bull up into 12 pieces, a blood and, a, and a, the gory mess and so on there, and he called for 12 barrels of water. Water, remember, was very scarce. It hadn't rained for three and a half years because Elijah prayed. 12 barrels of water. So it's a sloppy mess now. And then Elijah prays, and you count how many words. And they come to 63. 63 words that he prayed. Now, we can't just say, okay, God is going to respond to any kind of short prayer. I don't need a 15-minute devotion. I just need about 60 seconds, and I'll pray those 63 words too. No, Elijah had lots of prayer time. Lots of time to call upon the Lord and to spend in prayer. Those ravens fed him. The brook didn't dry up until it was God's time for him to move on. And then he had a, a widow woman uh, prepared to provide for him. And then later on, he had an angel uh, prepared to provide for Elijah. God knows how to provide for you. Amen. He'll minister and he'll bless. But those 63 words that he prayed, and in that prayer he said, I am your servant, and have done all these things at your word. See how he put it in there. God, I'm your servant. I've done what you said. Now answer by fire. And oh, what a fire. It would have been incredible to be there to see it. How it just came up. And uh, the sizzle and the crackle and the steaming as the water evaporated, the blood evaporated, the wood burned up, the sacrifice turned crisp, and then the dust and the stones likewise disappeared. No wonder they cried out, The Lord, He is the God. <laughs> What would you do? <laughs> that would be an incredible sight to see. Praise God. And uh, 
Elijah, the Bible says, was uh, subject to like passions like as we are. And he prayed. That means he, uh, he had human feelings. He had human fears. And we see him in the cave. And the Lord's saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? And God spoke to him in a still small voice. After the wind, after the earthquake, after the fire, because the Lord was concerned about his servant. His servant. Praise God. Making sure uh, that he understood your service to me, the Lord, has not gone unnoticed. Amen. <clears throat> you know, there's going to be no end of trouble here as we, as we go along. There's going to be no end of, of, of the tests and so on. Just keep going. Keep serving. Keep traveling on. Serve God. Amen. Look at 1 Samuel 7 and 3. Samuel is encouraging the people of God as they are facing uh, a great enemy. And the need for the change. And uh, this is uh, before Elijah. Amazing how there was these ups and downs. God rescuing, God ministering, God providing uh, in an incredible means. And yet, here goes Israel back to serving lifeless idols and because um, it wasn't so much that they were serving the idols as they were serving themselves. They were serving their own desires, their own lusts, their own interests. That was the problem. But first Samuel seven and three, Samuel is admonishing the, the people of God, return unto the Lord with all your hearts. Then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you. Those were the idols that they had allowed to come into their, uh, uh, their lives and, and uh, to identify with those things. But notice the emphasis on the heart. Prepare your heart unto the Lord. Return to the Lord with all your heart. Prepare your heart unto the Lord. And then notice this. Serve him only. And he will deliver you. Hmm. Samuel offered the sacrifice, and the story in that passage goes on to say, the Lord thundered with a great thunder upon the enemies of Israel and delivered them. And this is when Samuel set up that stone, Ebenezer, meaning hitherto hath the Lord helped us. You know, a monument, a memorial. Thank God we've got memorials that we can look back on. We've got monuments of how the Lord delivered, how the Lord healed, how the Lord provided, how the Lord blessed, and the determination that needs to come up in our hearts. Serve Him only. Amen. And thank the Lord that we can, uh, we can serve the Lord. You know, if, even, if Satan even had the audacity to tempt the Lord, if he even had the desire to have Jesus fall down and worship me. That's what he said. That's what happens when you get off track with the Lord. You fall down. You don't go up. You don't, you're not rising in, in power and greatness and so on. No, you're going down when you're following Satan. Fall down and worship me, he told the Lord. The Lord's answer was from the word of God. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. See, Samuel was basing his command on what Deuteronomy 6.13, 16, 8.3, that the Lord was answering, based on the word of God. And that's reasonable service. And thank the Lord. Jesus stood his ground as, a, as a, a human, as a man. He's God in flesh, but he's still flesh and still subject to temptation. He'd fasted, and, uh, and he was coming off of that fast, and that's why the devil led his temptations with, turn these stones into bread. As a, obviously, the Lord was hungry after that fast. But the Lord resisted. Get thee behind me, Satan. 
And uh, thank God. You know, that's what James 4 and 7 says. Submit ourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Now you've got to understand, it can't be just one, I resist you, devil. And then, how come he didn't flee? No, you keep resisting. You keep fighting. You keep holding on to the things of God. You don't give up after just one and done. Hold the line. Praise God. Keep the faith. Continue on. Fight a good fight. And that's how the outcome is going to be assured so that God will get the glory and you will be lifted up and blessed. Romans 6. We're in Romans 12. Let's go ahead and go to Romans 6. Because there's a, a freedom that has been promised as we follow the Lord and obey his word. Um, <clears throat> the scripture tells us verse 4 we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we also should walk in newness of life for if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Now that's the new birth. That's being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and being filled with the Spirit of God. That's the resurrection. Praise God. Okay, so then we go on to the practical aspects of our service unto the Lord. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man, our old lifestyle, is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. That's why we sing about chains being broken, power in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Because that power is designed to bring a freedom from sin. Verse 7, he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Praise God. So, that aspect of servanthood is very important. Drop down to verse 16 here, and our time is going by very fast. 16, know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey. His servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So we have a choice. Even after we've been born again, we have a choice. Who am I going to serve? Am I going to serve sin unto death or serve righteousness and life? Verse 18, being then made free from sin, you became the servant's of righteousness. Okay, so the chains have been broken. The power of the name of Jesus makes a difference. We don't have to stay in the realm of sin. We move into the realm of being a servant of righteousness. Verse 20, for when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. See, that's the flip side. You were in sin, Righteousness didn't have a hold on you. But because you've yielded yourselves to be servants to God, go to verse 21, what fruit had ye then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. It's talking about sin, a lifestyle that is away from God. Could care less what the Bible says. Have no knowledge of what the Bible says as far as that goes. And why bother with going to church? Why get all caught up in this religious thing? Because the end of sin is death. It's simple. That's the bottom line. But to serve God is life. And not only in this life, but life eternal. That's the incredible reward. Now verse 22 but now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit, that fruit again, 
uh, the outcome, unto holiness and the end, everlasting life. Huh. That sounds like a pretty good deal. Let's go ahead and determine to be the servants of the Lord. Serving God. Desiring Him. Asking His power and His presence to be lifted up in Him. Uh, okay. Real quick. Acts 4, when they had their prayer time, after being threatened, <laughs> instead of being accepted, instead of being celebrated, because that man who sat at the gate, beautiful, never taken a step in his 40-plus years of life, and now because of the name of Jesus Christ, who breaks every chain, the man is walking, leaping, praising God, having a time of his life, enjoying the opportunity to walk. And that, that's a miracle, too. Because if you've been bedridden for any time, if you've been uh, off your feet for any bit, bit of time, it takes a little bit of work to get your balance back, to get the stride back, to get the gait of walking back. You don't just jump up and get going again. You might for a couple of steps. Then disaster's going to hit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. But here goes this guy who's never taken a step in four decades of his life, leaping, walking, praising God, just having himself a time. Was there a celebration in Jerusalem? No, there was not. There was persecution of the people of God. But verse 29 of chapter 4, they lifted up their voice to, one, uh, to, the, to the Lord in one accord, in power and unity. And here was their prayer. Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. That's, that's what they were asking for. They, they, they didn't say, pay them back, Lord. <laughs> They didn't uh, look in that direction at all. Verse 30, they asked for miracles, stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by thy name. They wanted the attention to go to God. They wanted him to receive the credit and the glory. And uh, that's what they were looking for. The place was shaken. They were all filled with the Spirit. They spoke the word of God with boldness. Amen. Because they're servants. They want the hand of God to be upon them. Paul is uh, uh, about to be shipwrecked. The storm has been going on for a couple of weeks. The men are all terrified, seasoned sailors. They recognize things are not going to turn out good here. And um, the soldiers who were uh, escorting the, so the, uh, the prisoners... Uh, to Rome, wanted to kill the prisoners because they would forfeit their lives if any of the prisoners escaped. But Justin the centurion said, no, no, I like this guy Paul. I think we ought to keep them alive. Because Paul had said, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. We're about to sink. We've been in this storm for days, for weeks. It's difficult, it's harsh, it's hard. We're, we're about to drown. This shipwreck is not going to end good. But Paul said, there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. That's what God notices. That's what God responds to. And they all escaped. They all arrived at shore alive. And Paul was helping with the fire, and a snake bit him. He just shook the snake. That would really get to me. I hate snakes. The snake came out of the wood and bit him. But he just shook it off, grabbed some more wood, and threw it on the fire. Praise God. And then people got healed. 
because they saw the power of God. They listened to Paul preach. Man, good things will come out of your steadfastness and you being a servant and asserting that again and again. Praise God and the power of the Lord stepping forth for you and the goodness of the Lord continuing on. Well, reasonable service. Reasonable. I can, I can imagine uh, John the Apostle. He's the last of them now. He's the youngest and the last. And um, he is being taken to Patmos, an island in the Mediterranean that tradition tells us is a salt mine run and operated by prisoners of the empire. The Caesar putting his enemies there. How in the world could John the Apostle be an enemy of the Roman Empire? Well, that they considered him uh, to be such. And he's 90 years old. So it, it's uh, not, a, not a resort, not a hotel, not all-inclusive opportunity for him to relax and to write the book of Revelation. Um, pretty rough. <laughs> pretty difficult circumstances. And I can imagine as he's in the rowboat and uh, they're rowing him ashore. And one of the sailors asked him, John, you follow this Jesus that you preach about, that you, you talk about all the time. What, what, what kind of life is this? Here you are going to this prison. And John would say, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that more abundantly. I've got abundant life. That's what I, that's what I hold on to. Well, what kind of future? What kind of future is this? Look, you're going to a salt mine. It does not appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. <laughs> Praise God. Don't you want to be free? Don't you want to be able to do whatever you want to do and, and go to church and sing your hallelujahs with, with your brothers and sisters? Don't you want to... You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If the Son, therefore, hath made you free, you shall be free indeed. And old John's starting to warm up now. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Amen. You're, you're just going to be eating bread and water. There's the water, the living water. Amen. Rivers of living water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Praise God. And by this time, John couldn't sit still. He got up in that rowboat. He started jumping up and down, and those sailors started rowing faster. Praise God. Get this maniac out of here. Get this Pentecostal preacher ashore and in that prison. <laughs> now, that's my imagination. You can poo-poo it if you want to. But I like to think about victory. I like to think about the servants of God not beaten down. The servants of God coming out on top. The servants of God being strong. Amen. John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He said, I was carried away in the spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God that those powers of the Lord can be there. Not to let circumstances kill your joy, your desire for the Lord. But let the Lord lead you closer to him and to his purpose, to his direction. Praise God. He that overcometh, John would write. And I sure, I'm, I'm sure there would be a determination within his old heart. I'm going to overcome. I'm not going to let this overcome me. I'm not going to let this pull me down. I'm going to keep going. He that overcometh. Praise God. And he had an audience with a fellow servant. He thought it was an angel. He bowed down to worship him. The individual said, no, stand up, stand up. I am your fellow servant. Somebody who had already made it. Somebody who had already gone through. Praise God. And you can too. 
Amen. Amen. You can make it. Keep being a servant. Keep serving. Keep holding on. Reasonable service. Praise God. Now, the Lord said, I have called you friends. He was going beyond servant. We're servants. Yes, we are. We're servants. But the Lord said, I've called you friends. Amen. That relationship, that responsibility is what we can step into in greater measures, in greater power. Amen. And we're able to hear him give the, the welcome. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. If you want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, you, you have to do well. You have to be faithful. You have to be good. Praise God. And the Lord is going to bring about those results. So that's why the scripture says, serve the Lord with gladness. Enter into his presence with singing. Hallelujah. Thank God that we can do that and know his power and his goodness. Remember Joshua's challenge? Joshua's at the end of his life. He's 80 years old by the time he's le leading that marching around Jericho. He's, uh, Caleb says, I'm 85, and I'm, I'm still going. I'm still going. Give me this mountain. <laughs> Praise God. And Joshua gives the challenge. If you think it's evil to serve the Lord, and, and there must have been a measure of frustration in his voice. There must have been a, a concern and a, and a recognition. Don't choose the wrong way. Make sure you're examining both sides. Make sure you're understanding where you're going to end up as a result of your choice. If you think it's evil to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me... And my house, we will serve the Lord. Praise God. And I trust, let's stand. I, I, I trust that's the kind of determination we have tonight. We're going to serve God. We're going to serve the Lord. Praise God. And it's reasonable, it's reasonable to come to that choice, to come to that decision. Uh, Fifty-five years ago, fifty-six years ago, I, I'm, I was making the choice. Uh, I was fifteen years old and deciding. I'm going to leave this behind, you know, lifestyle. I'm going to stop doing that. And I'm going to read the Bible. And I'm going to attend church. And I'm going to pray more. You know, it was a, it was a, uh, a week by week process, month by month. I, I, I decided in September, in October, November, and then into December, I decided, that's it. I'm going to get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm not stopping. I'm not turning around. I'm, I'm not going to let anything hold me back. I'm going, I'm going for it. And thank God. Uh, there's, there may have been uh, some battles, there may have been some unpleasant situations, there may have been some losses, but I've, I've held to his hand. And more, more accurately, he's held my hand and brought me along. And I have seen incredible things. I've seen miracles. I've seen amazing things. I'd never would have seen in the life of partying and carrying on and making a 
fool of myself. Never would have seen those things. But God, who brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light, illuminated things I thought were no way. But God made a way. God provided. God blessed. God ministered. God fulfilled his word. God gave his promise. And he kept it again and again. Am I going to turn around now? Am I going to give up now? Am I going to just put the brakes on and stop? Bail out? No. No, no. I'm going to keep going. Praise God. Not going to give up. Not going to stop. Not going to turn around. I'm his servant. Praise God. Let's come and pray here for a few minutes now. See, the freedom, the freedom says, I can stop. I can go to the store and buy me a six-pack and a pint. Like we used to scrounge our money and send somebody to the store when we were dumb kids. I can do that. I'm free to. I can go and show my driver's license and buy me another pack. I'm, I can do that. I'm free. But how stupid would I be to do that? How dumb would I be to step away from what God has shown me these last 56 years? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense, does it? And rest assured, I'm not going to make those mistakes. I'm not going to go that direction just to prove that I'm free to do it. But oh, I pray God, bring real freedom to people who are bound. Bring real freedom that you have, Lord, in your spirit and in your name to those who are addicted and afflicted and not able to move into that realm without a real difficult situation coming to them. Oh God, let there be that freedom because there's freedom to serve the Lord. Amen. There's freedom being the servant of God. Amen. Let's praise him together here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank